This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at Ravinia.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. It's bitterly cold in Chicago, and the deep freeze is expected to continue throughout the month leaving those without a home vulnerable to the dangerously cold temperatures. This during the COVID-19 pandemic, which is already making it difficult and dangerous for people to live in close quarters. That's why advocates are pushing the city to do more than open six warming centers to help homeless people escape the cold. And why good Samaritans like Westside restaurateur Jermaine Jordan are stepping up to help by offering hot meals and paying for hotel stays. There's one guy that's uh, here at our house. He was covered in snow in a blanket. He barely could uh, move. And he was like, man, I would love some food and somewhere where I can have a nice bed and to take a shower. So I come from poverty, so I know what it is, you know, to be homeless. To help us understand the scope of the homelessness crisis in Chicago during the pandemic and long-term solutions to the problem, we're joined this week by Doug Schenkelberg of the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless and Nellie Vasquez-Roland of A Safe Haven. They're both members of the Chicago Homelessness and Health Response Group for Equity, which started near the beginning of the pandemic. Nellie, can you start us off by telling us more about this group? Well, the charge, as we call it, is a collaboration between homeless organizations and healthcare providers that are truly working together to coalesce around addressing homelessness with comprehensive solutions that include healthcare and housing and other wraparound services that at the end of the day should truly help vertically integrate the two systems in a way that is gonna allow us to really help the whole person ultimately get back on track heal the underlying issues, and get them into permanent housing long-term. So it's a very exciting collaboration that involves over 100 partners throughout the Chicagoland area. I'm proud to have been one of the co-founders that joined that very first call along with Rush, which actually was the group that uh, started organizing it and putting it together. And together, we've done some great things on the front lines, too, in terms of opening up a medical respite for COVID-positive homeless. So we'll talk more about that later. But this is a pivotal moment, an exciting moment, which for the very first time, I think Doug will agree, you know, we actually have a tremendous amount of grassroots collaboration happening right now on the front lines to help introduce, you know, systemic solutions. Well, Doug, can you weigh in and give us the scope here? How many people are experiencing homelessness in the city? What are the latest numbers? Yeah, so we do an estimate on an annual basis that's based on census data and administrative data from the homeless system in Chicago. What that tells us is that there's about 77,000 people in Chicago experiencing homelessness, and that's people who are living on the street, that's people in the shelter system, and that's people who are doubled up or couch surfing. Uh, And those are the majority of the folks experiencing homelessness in our city. In that population, it is predominantly people of color, Over 60% of those 
experiencing homelessness in Chicago are black. When you look just at people who are in the shelter system and on the street, that number goes up to over 70% of the population. So they're disproportionately impacted by homelessness, and the scale is tremendous. Well, as you said, more than 60% of the people experiencing homelessness in Chicago are black. African-Americans are also among the population of Chicagoans getting infected with and dying of COVID at the highest rates. So, Doug, can you talk a bit more about the challenges black homeless people are facing right now? And and from a racial equity standpoint, what, if anything, is is being done to change that narrative? So homelessness was a crisis before the pandemic hit. As Nellie knows from her work, the scope of it is huge in the city of Chicago. When you bring COVID into the equation and the pandemic, it just becomes a crisis within a crisis. And as you noted, both within the folks who are experiencing homelessness and the folks who are most deeply impacted by COVID, it is predominantly people who are Black. And there's extra complications when it comes to serving folks who are experiencing homelessness within the pandemic. Within the shelter system, a lot of changes had to be made to provide for social distancing, congregate settings, are really difficult to manage because of the possibility of spread. Folks who are living outside, you know, you can't shelter in place when you're outside, so that becomes another complication. People experiencing homelessness often are dealing with underlying health issues. Many of them are older, so there are a lot of vulnerabilities that mm-hmm. they're dealing with. And then homelessness just adds to that equation. You know, and great providers like like a Safe Haven and others through Charge have come together to think about smart, quick responses to this crisis in the name of COVID. And how do you provide appropriate supports for folks experiencing homelessness in response to COVID? But the problem is, is this is a bigger systemic issue that can't be solved just by responding to a, a crisis. Well, Nellie, can you pick up where Doug left off? I'm wondering if you can expand a bit on the, the pressures that create homelessness. There is tremendous pressure, as Doug just clearly stated. According to the data, there are 77,000 documented homeless within the Chicagoland area alone. And uh, believe it or not, I want to say there's at least 16,000 of those that are Chicago public school students that are beneath that. So it's a huge shortage to begin with. And as uh, Doug mentioned, it's a crisis within a crisis way before the pandemic started. What the pandemic is doing is it's really exposing the gaps. And for me, the very first time, it's acknowledging the fact that homelessness is a public health issue. We've always talked about it as, you know, a moral issue, right? But for the first time, we're finally agreeing that the health of the homeless truly does impact the health of the community at large. And by stating that we have 77,000 homeless in the city of Chicago, and the fact that the city of Chicago only has 4,000 homeless beds, just outlines, you know, in a very clear way, the demarcation, right, in terms of like where the gap was to begin with. And it has impacted the most vulnerable populations the most that have gotten the disease, that have, you know, spread the disease and have died from the disease, including the Latino population, which represent many of the essential workers. So our teams are working 24 hours a day. They've never stopped coming to work. The frontline workers have been truly first responders in every sense of the word in making sure that people are getting a roof over their head, three meals 
meals a day and access to all the wraparound services that are going to lead them to permanent solutions. And as Doug mentioned, you can't respond to a crisis with short-term solutions without thinking about the long-term solutions at the same time. And I think that's what we're trying to accomplish, you know, with all of the work that's being done with the coalition, with the charge, and with A Safe Haven, you know, doing our part to really show the work that we've been doing uh, for the last 26 years that's really thought about it, not in terms of what can we do to respond to the issue right now? Because in many times that can become an ever perpetuating situation. How do we work now to solve it? And that's where we're at right now. That's Nellie Vasquez Roland of A Safe Haven. Also with us is Doug Schenkelberg from the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. And we're talking about how the homeless population in Chicago is faring with the cold weather amid the COVID-19 pandemic and and how advocates and organizations are working toward long-term solutions to homelessness in the city and around Illinois. Now, Doug and Nellie, I'll come back to you in just a moment, but I wanted to quickly bring in another voice to this conversation. Joining us is Sam Gardino, Program Director for the Homeless Outreach Program at Thresholds. Hi, Sam. Welcome to Reset. Hey there. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. Briefly tell us more about Thresholds and the Homeless Outreach Program that you lead. Right. Thresholds is Illinois' largest provider of mental health services. And we provide all kinds of levels of services to people. But our homeless outreach program is essentially four different outreach teams with work in either different areas of the city or uh, with specialty groups of people, with people who are homeless but also experiencing serious and persistent mental illness. So we don't have a wide reach in terms of reaching out to everyone who's out there on the streets homeless, but we are looking for the folks with serious and persistent mental illness. So why is it important to have a mental health outreach program specifically for for the homeless community? And how has the pandemic affected all these efforts? Right. So folks in our homeless community are pushed to the margins of our society and are very vulnerable. And people with serious mental health issues are even pushed further to the margin. They tend to be folks who aren't hanging out in the protective communities of homeless people, not so much in encampments, for example. And their symptomology really affects their ability to take advantage of any resources out there. So having workers who are specialized in mental health is really important to try to engage these folks. There's a lot of long, soft engagement in terms of uh, building rapport and trust and then hopefully to help some people move on into health care, psychiatric care, and then housing also. So we are very concerned about these folks uh, really on the margins. So from your perspective then, Sam, what do organizations like, like yours need to be equipped to do the work? And how can the city help with your efforts? Well, well what we need first and foremost is um, options for resources such as affordable housing, affordable housing that is accessible. We need just workers to go out there into the field. But it all kind of boils down to that housing, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, having different kinds of housing that meets the needs of different people. I think the city, through the DFSS, does a lot to provide resources to reach out to people experiencing homelessness. But there's a bigger problem in terms of the housing and perhaps more accessibility to more easily accessed health care and psychiatric care, too. That's Sam Gardino, Program Director for the Homeless Outreach Program at Threshold. Sam, thanks for joining us today. All right. You're welcome. 
back now to to Doug and Nelly. Doug, as we mentioned at the top, the, the sub-zero cold is expected to continue this week. How is the homeless population faring with the bitter cold? What kind of resources are available from the city? So, the, you know, the city, as it typically does in these moments, has uh, opened up warming centers. Some of those are open during business hours. There's a couple that are open 24 hours to serve folks. They make various city facilities, be it libraries, other offices available to folks during the day so that they can stay warm. And you're really pushing that up that information and working closely with the network of shelter providers throughout the city to see who can add beds, given kind of the protocols that need to be in place for COVID and things like that. So they're responding to the moment. Great organizations like Thresholds or Night Ministry or Salvation Army are out there in the street doing the outreach to provide direct services to folks on the street, giving them warmer clothing, giving them the option of getting in shelter. You know, all of those things are happening. I think the thing is, we have a system that responds to these moments of crisis. And as soon as things warm up, the temperature gets a little bit better, those resources recede. And we go back to business as normal. And the problem is, as has already been brought up in Nelly and Sam, is that the fundamental issue is that we need more housing. We have a system that's set up to manage homelessness. We don't have a system that is set up to end homelessness. And if we had a system that was set up to end homelessness, we would have the resources in place for affordable housing and support so that folks wouldn't be on the street to begin with when a weather emergency or a public health emergency hits. Now, we we just heard about a citywide mental health homeless outreach program, and we've talked a bit about some initiatives uh, that your groups are are working with now. Um, There are also Good Samaritans who are stepping up to help. At the top of the segment, we mentioned Westside Restaurateur Jermaine Jordan. Uh, he's collected enough donations to house and feed several people for at least a month. Nellie, what can the average person do to help here? Oh, my God, there's so much, so much <laughs> that's needed. And the main thing, I believe, is that they should, if they haven't already, really think about adding the cause of homelessness as one of the charities that they want to support this year. As they have mentioned, you know, they're uh, a different type of homeless program than we are. There's lots of different levels of care that exist. There's homeless organizations that help people have a place to stay overnight. They're probably the most acute and probably aren't willing to cooperate yet with really getting engaged in strategies to help them heal at the root level. What sailing them from a social, economic, psychological, you know, housing our perspective, but they do need our comfort and they do need our care. But also there's organizations like ours that really take in people that are able to really connect, get access to treatment, education, job training, jobs, and access to permanent housing. So we've been around Tasha for 26 years and knowing the challenges that people are facing, we knew that we had to organically really build a model that by design foster success. And we had to create ways to develop paths for them, including creating businesses that employ them. So many people don't realize that that landscaping that's done on Michigan Avenue that's beautiful and everyone admires is actually the work of a safe haven homeless that are actually getting work ethic, getting paid and learning how to save their money, manage their money and, you know, work uh, for a living. We also have housing that has different phases. We have transitional housing, which is for our most acute population that provides them all those wraparound services. But we also have supportive housing. We also have 
have affordable housing, senior housing, and veteran housing. So really think in terms of how it is that you want to show up in the world of helping the homeless, whether it's just working with them at the most acute level, which is desperately needed, but also thinking about who are the organizations that are out there that are really thoughtfully thinking about how to help heal and help solve homelessness in a real sustainable and scalable way. And that's where yeah. I feel a safe haven's vision and goal is and continues to be. To be. Today, we serve about 5,000 people a year, and it's families, it's children, it's veterans, it's youth, it's people from all walks of life. Doug, I'll give you the last word here. Everything that Nellie said, I underline, and we just add that folks should talk to their elected officials, talk to their decision makers who make decisions about what budget priorities they're backing, how they allocate government resources, and tell them that they care about this issue, and tell them that they expect their elected officials to step up and provide more funding for affordable housing and supports to address homelessness. And that the next time a crisis like this, be it weather or the pandemic comes around, they want to see fewer people out in the streets that need to be helped to begin with. We'll be continuing this conversation for sure as we continue with the winter months. That was Doug Schenkelberg, Executive Director of the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. Also with us, Nellie Vasquez-Roland, President and Co-Founder of Safe Haven. Doug and Nellie, thanks for your time and for the great work that you're doing. And that's today's reset from the pandemic to the arts, politics to business, and people working to make your neighborhood a great place to live. We've got the best mix of conversations for you right here at Reset. Make sure you're subscribed and take 30 seconds to give us a rating and review. It really helps other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening, and we'll meet again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.